And a good Friday morning to you, and welcome into Darren, Donick, and Chase here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Hope everybody's having a good start to what should be the end of your week. We're excited. Lots to get into today. Darren McFarland, that's me. Willie Donick. Good morning. That's him. Chase McAbee. It's Friday. What's going on, Nashville? It is. Max Hers behind the glass. Hi, Max. Hi, guys. Just a public service announcement. Walker Bueller is the best player in the history of baseball. That is all. History of baseball, huh? He was throwing gas last night. Well, I don't know if people watched him this year, but he was kind of throwing gas all year. I mean, you'd have to be dumb to trade him away in your fantasy baseball league. I mean, that would be just stupid. You could be uh, one of the 23 teams that didn't draft him in real life fantasy Mm. baseball, also known as baseball. I traded him for Chris Sale. That really worked out well. Yeah. You know, that guy that strikes out like 15 a game and, you know, never gets hurt. Mm. But now he's hurt. Mm. Yeah. That was a good trade. Uh, The Dodgers, this just in, and I've been saying this. I know. They've come up short the last two. They're They're just too good. They're just too good. I saw them firsthand. They're too good. But are they good enough for Houston? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I've said it all along. I, I I know I left Coors Field in July, and I said, that team's going to win it all. And I think, look, I saw the Dodgers and the Astros against the Rockies. So I saw them both up close and personal, and they're both. I, you're right. I came back and I said, it's going to be the Dodgers and the Astros, especially after the trading deadline. I was like, that's, that's a wrap. It's going to be the Dodgers and the Strohs. I just – and they're they're both – extremely talented it should be if it gets to that it should be an incredible world series but i just think when they just don't want to be the bills they don't want to be the vikings they don't want to be unfortunately the braves i hate yeah. to use that reference even though they did knock down the door and they got one but you don't want to keep going every year and losing right you don't want to be that team i just think they'll find a way to to figure that out and win it thing with the braves in the 90s is i remember you know, the 96 World Series, they ran into, that's when the Yankees started their their dynasty. And they just, they, they could never get it back after that. I mean, I think a lot of people picked the Braves to win it back-to-back in 96. And then here come the Yankees, which led by Joe Torre. And then they, they went on their run. So, you're right, though. I mean, it's getting there is one thing. Actually finishing the deal, that's the other. And right now... I think everybody agrees it should be the Astros and the Dodgers in the I, World Series. I think what we're seeing, too, that teams are going to have to be able to do for three rounds. The Red Sox did it last year, and that is stack your starting pitchers. That's that's the trend now, right? Nobody's going seven, eight innings with some rare exceptions. Like, Bueller was awesome last night. He, he was probably as good as anybody that pitched yesterday. He went six innings, right? And they took him out. Uh, Dallas Keuchel was pitching well. Gave up one run. They took him out in the fifth inning. But what they're doing is they're they're stacking the starters and having them throw one on top of the other. And then you go to your your bullpen guys late. It's It works great for a game, maybe a couple games, but over the course of three rounds, can you keep doing it? And then, of course, there's the toll it takes on the next year which is what happened to the Red Sox, right? None of those guys came back. Mm-mm. Porcello wasn't as good. Price wasn't as good. Sale no. certainly wasn't as good. Yep. Nathan Uvalde got hurt. Yep. You know, those guys were the heroes last year, but they had to pitch a lot of different times. They came up big. 
The Braves came in with Max Fried. He looked good. So today, when Mike Fultonevich goes four or five innings, who do they go to? And then they have sort of the shake, the back end that can be shaky. They got oh. to him last night. What do you do? I mean, it'll probably be Julio Tehran because they have taken Chris Martin off the roster due to injury and added Julio Tehran, so they probably have to go to him. And so, what will he be like as a relief pitcher? We don't know. I don't know. He has not been a relief pitcher. So. I need I need Ronald Acuna to you know stop hot dogging and oh man, man it's, and get a second, get to second, get a double. It's a shame. You know, I, I was He's at such the a game. Talent, but I, I was like at the game where they benched about, him. I know we're always talking about this stuff with him. It just keeps happening. It's like, dude. Figure it out. You're a tremendous talent. Stop this. Stop. 331-foot fly ball that nearly hit the right field foul pole that was a single and should have been much more. And well, it so, should have been a double. He, yeah. he, he, when he hits that ball, there's no way you can tell me he knows that's out. Right? right. It's one thing when you crush one and you just know, you know it's gone. You know. Th- then that's fine. You know by you know. feel. But when you flip it to the opposite field like that, which is what he did in the game that I was at against the Dodgers, where Snicker took him out of the game after that, yeah, you just that one. This one was even more clear cut. He's slicing it down the line, opposite field. Like I know he can hit it to the opposite field for a home run, but the, it's an ex- extended fence. You can't be sure that that's out. So you got to bust it. It's three one in the seventh. I know. Inning. I, I know just, he's young. Unbelievable. But it's it's like I feel like I'm talking to. The seven and eight year olds that we're coaching. Oh, Stop yeah. watching the ball. Stop it. I mean, we, if I've said it once, our coaches, we've said it once, we've said it 150 times, but we're talking to seven year olds and eight year olds. And he goes he, three for four. He's a professional athlete. It's like, what are you, yeah. what he had, are you doing? He had a dominating game. Tremendous catch, so home run. Fr- yeah, so frustrating. But then you got. He got thrown out. You know, yeah. I also when he's stealing a base, I have no idea what he's doing. He's looking into home plate for three or four steps. He's not running as fast as he can run. Yeah, and then he starts speeding up once he's. I I just don't know what he's doing there. Like he shows his age at, yeah. at times like that. But you have Dallas Keuchel commenting on it after the game. Brian McCann, veterans on that team. Yeah, Freddie Freeman sure did. Yeah, and they, and you know the first. Well, it wasn't the first time, but when Snit took him out in the regular season. You know, you have the guys backing him, like, "Hey, he'll learn." But then with this, because it's the playoffs, like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, but they won't learn because when you're a tremendous talent like him, it's like Manny Ramirez, Yasiel Puig. It's all all these guys that, right? We just eventually probably just, oh, it's just Acuna being Acuna, right? That's what we do. We'll just laugh it off because well, he's, Snitker, he's so nobody's talented. laughing it off today. That, that's for sure. Well, they used to early on. They didn't laugh it off about Manny Ramirez either. But then it became all oh, just Manny being Manny. Right, because he's so good. Yeah. Acuna is so good. Yeah, you got to so live with it. So the question is, will he will he change, or is just or is just get to the point where we just go? Huh? Well, that's if he doesn't learn from this, I don't know if he's ever going to learn. Uh, well, this, this is one. not I the just, first time I, this it's year. Just unreal. It keeps happening. But I mean, think about it. They they lost seven to six. Now who knows what happens? But if he gets to second, does that did he cost them? You don't know how absolutely, you know. So I mean, you could, you could say that. I mean, we don't. You don't know, but having a man on second with no outs is way different, especially with his speed. Sure, because he had, on that same that same sequence he advanced to second on with Albies. So right I mean, on the ground to the right side. Yeah. So in theory, we don't know if the pitching pattern would be the same and all that stuff. Right. But if it's a grounder, then he goes to third with one out, and you know you, you got a know. chance to score a guy on a sack fly, all, all that stuff. So it would absolutely could have. Could have changed the game. Four one's a lot different I, than three one. I just think the pitching is as as I've said all year with the Braves. I think they're a very talented team. They have one of the best lineups in baseball. The pitching's just not going to be enough. 
they're going to have to really look at the pitching. I, I just I think against the Cardinals, it's it's just not going to be enough. Predators kicked off their season last night at home against the Wild and came away with two points and a one and zero start to the season. An exciting game, exciting third period as the Predators came right out and just punched Minnesota in the mouth. In the first period, they weren't rewarded. They were the better team. It was no score after one, but uh, picked up four goals in the third period. Of course, the final one being an empty netter, which they had to work for. It wasn't your typical empty netter where you just throw it down into the empty net. Ekholm with a couple nifty moves, bodies <laughs> everywhere, finds uh, Forsberg for a little tap-in. But um, So Arvey and Arvidsson and Forsberg on path for – for 40. And you just said Arvey. Yeah, for 80. Said I Arvey. I After the morning show just roasted you this I morning. I know. And you just said Arvey. I did. Yeah. My bad. I corrected myself. You did. But you, you knew that you had said it, and then you're like, oh, boy. Because you know they crushed you this morning. Uh, they, they did, but whatever. They, they, they're they going to find something to crush me about. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Matt DeShane, what a start to his Predators career. Three points. Line looked pretty darn good. Yeah. I thought the – first of all, I thought the atmosphere was just awesome. I, I thought they did a – like the crowd – and uh, let me let me particularly say 303. They were ready to go. They they were in top form on opening night. That was a great sign because they were, they were initiating all of the stuff with authority. And the, the crowd really followed suit and then – the game, what what a great script, right? You know, for everybody walking out of there. As you said, they played well. They didn't score, which has looked a lot like last year. It was kind of a flashback. Remember, they had a lot of first periods like that last mm-hmm. year. A lot of shots, a lot yep. of chances, nothing goes in. Then they seemingly have control of the game, and all of a sudden, too many men on the ice, boom, boom. Oh, my gosh, they're behind. 43 seconds. They're behind. And you're thinking, how are they behind in this game? They are, they are for the most part the better team, have been the better team. And then they hit another gear in the third period. So a lot to like, yeah. a lot to like. And then still, despite the barrage and going ahead, Pecorino has to make three tremendous saves to preserve the lead. So it was like... Oh, it, well, first of all, he had, say like every period, we, he didn't have to work really hard. Yeah. Like Minnesota didn't overwork him, but when he had to work, man, he had to come had to up make with some, good some ones. monster yeah. saves. I talked to... Matt DeShane in the second period intermission, and I asked him, you know, how do you not get frustrated? Because clearly I'm playing. To you. I know. It really I, – I do too. That's why I'm bringing it up because it's so true. But just to get that – remember, this is in-game. This is a player yeah. – and just for him to have that perspective. And he was like, hey, you just got to roll with the punt. We've been the better team. We know it. We know we've been the better team. They just got a couple lucky bounces right there. That's fine. Sometimes it works in your favor. The other way, you're not you're being outplayed, and you know you're getting you're ahead on the scoreboard because it goes both ways. Just when you're in this spot, just stay with it, man. We we have been the better team. It'll all work out. I'm I'm paraphrasing. I'm making, right. but that's essentially what his message was. And I I just was like that. Was, it's so true, and for a player to have that perspective in the middle of a game and to say that and look how it played out and they, obviously whatever they talked about. It worked. They came right out, and uh, it was tied up, what, 27 seconds into the third period. Yep. So, and, and Mikhail Granlin, a guy that we were, you know, we're, we've been watching, want to see yeah. break out. Good to see him score in game one. Oh, that, 
that line looked really good. Yep. The Johansson's line with Craig Smith looked really good. I thought Craig Smith looked like a good fit. You notice Craig Smith, who has almost always been on the right wing, mm-hmm. is now playing on the left wing, yep. and he is uh, he is fit perfectly. So they, whatever they saw in the preseason going this way and having the guts to say, let's split up one of the most effective lines in hockey, so far looks very promising going forward. I thought all four lines had moments. As we said, the the fourth line, or you know whatever you want to call the fourth line, but the line that got the least minutes was Kyle Turris's line. But that's still a line that can can make a play, right? Yeah. That's that's a line you have to factor in if you're the opposition going, man. And Turris got opportunities. I mean, he he didn't bury yeah. him, but I mean, he well, he I, got some shots. I still want to see more from him, but yeah. I, I want to see a hungrier thing. But he did, you know that that line. Like I said, they they had some moments there, and then. Sisters Benito and Watson, rock solid, as usual. The power play did not score a goal. I mean, they had the one that was taken away, but I like the puck movement. I like the shots they're getting, the looks. It, the goals are going to come. So if they keep practicing this, keep working with this, I, I feel like this is going to work. So I saw some good things, even though they did not tally a goal on the power play. I do think they're they're trending in the right direction. We'll come back. Richard Deitch from The Athletic to get things going on this Friday morning. Darren, Donnick, and Chase. ESPN 102.5, the game. At high noon, normally we do You Just Made the List. We'll actually move, bump that back just a little bit. Lorenzo Neal. Low Neal. Bills and Titans this weekend here in Nashville. He was kind of a, a part of that, you know, that miracle play. He's here in the building. He's doing his show in San Francisco. Yep. In fact, right next door. He's going to, when he's done, come in here and hang out with us to kick off the third hour. So we're going to move... You just made the list to more like 1230, and we're going to go down memory lane with Lo Neal, who's always fun to talk to. Great, great guy. Quite honestly, it's just like the kickers and punters. If you're going to have a position, you're going to pay it fullback, and this is just my opinion. You guys don't have to say a word one way or the other. He's a Hall of Fame fullback. I'm sorry. Just go look at the guys he blocked for and look at all the success that they had and how long he did what he did. But I know they don't put fullbacks in, but that's just my opinion. Richard Deitch from The Athletic is on the line with us. Richard, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, I guess you're doing uh, better than some of uh, probably a lot of people you know at the place you spend a lot of time at at Sports Illustrated. Uh, it's pretty sad to see all the stuff being tweeted out over the last 24 hours. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> It's um, I don't even know where to begin to be honest with you guys with this. It's you know it's incredibly depressing to see so many former colleagues and so many people I have great respect for, um, you know, sort of put out there that they have lost their job. It's not surprising in that once um, this is sort of inside baseball, but like. Once Sports Illustrated, which was part of Time Inc. for a long time, once Time Inc. sold its publications, People, Time, SI, to Meredith, and don't get me wrong, Time Inc. had many, many problems, horrible management. I mean, things weren't going really well then either. But once that decision was made, the die was kind of cast. Because once you put it in the hands of an owner that didn't want the magazine, and Meredith had no interest in Sports Illustrated, it wanted... People Magazine and, and the Lifestyle Magazine, then you have no idea where your brand or your magazine is going to end up. And Meredith ultimately sold Sports Illustrated to 
bunch of uh, brand marketers who wanted the name. They didn't necessarily want the journalism. And then that brand marketing group, Authentic Brands, licensed it out to this group, The Maven. So now you're two sort of businesses removed from where you initially had been for, you know, 50-plus years. The Maven is a group that, at least from what I've seen, cares little about editorial journalism. They just essentially want to do things on the cheap, their content mill. And so what do you do? You know, what, what, what do all these companies do? They get rid of higher-priced, experienced people, and they're going to bring in a lot of very, very young people, pay them very cheap, drape the Sports Illustrated banner on it, and try to sell Sports Illustrated as a watered-down product. So it's very personal, and quite frankly, it's incredibly disgusting what uh, the Maven has done. I realize, you know, it's corporate America, and this business is business, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, they... they how do I say it? I mean, Sports Illustrated was in trouble for a long time, including when I was there. But yesterday was the end. The magazine, I'm sorry, the magazine. Sports Illustrated will continue, and people will continue to do good work. But yesterday was the end. That is the end, of, at least from my vantage point, of Sports Illustrated. And it was a towering, important, um, you know, sort of magazine and brand for 50-plus years. It didn't have to die, and it wouldn't have died had it gone to a better steward. But... The one thing I learned working there for 19, 20 years is that um, you think you have so much control, and this is for all of us in the media, over what you do, and you think like if you put out great work, you work your ass off and put good content out, um, it's enough. But it's not enough. At the end of the day, the people who control stuff are the people with the power, the people with money, and they ultimately determine your fortune. And it's a bit of a leap of faith. You're hoping that the people in those offices um, believe in what you do. And that's, I think, what really bothers me the most is that there were a lot of people at Sports Illustrated on, based on merit. They did great work, and they were still fired or still laid off. And so it just sucks. Uh, I'm not saying everybody's got to feel sorry for them. I know coal miners and workers and people lose their job every day, but um, it, it sucks to see people who were good at something still lose their job. It wasn't based on merit. It was based on something else. So I appreciate you bringing it up, but... Um, it was a pretty crappy day. Yeah. And it will continue to be a crappy day heading forward. Amen, brother. I look, I if people people that listen to the show know that uh, we've had these discussions. I have said if I've said it once, I've said it 100 times. It doesn't matter how good you think this show is or what you think of us, if you don't have the backing and you don't have the people above you, the decision makers in your corner and doing the right thing, it doesn't matter. It's all for not. You cannot succeed. It doesn't matter. And pick any form. It's not. I was just talking because we're in radio, and you, you know, your form. Whatever you do, if you don't have the people above you doing things the right way and in your corner and and helping you, you got no chance. And it's no different in yeah. sports. It's that's life. Yeah, it's well said. And the the thing too. I mean, like this is sort of just the the realities of modern day uh, media. Um, you have to have people buy your product now. You know, the one thing about The Athletic, and it, was, and it was one of the reasons I decided to sort of make the leap. And, you know, and The Athletic's had a nice run. By no means is it, you know, is it guaranteed to be around 5, 10, 15 years from now. But the one thing I fundamentally believed is that you have to convince people or at least make the pitch to people to pay for good content, you know, to pay for, like, quality stuff. Because um, that's, I think, too often... 
um, and this is a major, major fault of the media and the sports media, a lot of people grew up just thinking all this stuff is free. You know, I can go online and I can read this stuff and it doesn't cost me anything. Well, the reality is it costs a lot of money somewhere to, like, to go to that game or to report on that uh, team or, you know, in radio's case, to, like, call that game or to, you know, to, to, to prep and research for that game. Like, this stuff costs money. And people have to pay for it. And for too long, um, too many media companies were just giving away some of the most sort of valuable commodity in the world, which is information. And, you know, that's sort of what I liked about The Athletic is that, you know, whether it was going to succeed or not, it was at least going to make the pitch that we're going to provide you an incredible product, but we're going to charge you for that product. We we have to support ourselves via revenue. Um, and for a long time, especially Sports Illustrated, which was top of the line in terms of content, was giving away so much stuff uh, online for for free. And um, and again, it just sort of goes back, you know. I sort of I know real. I realize I'm rambling, but it's just been a pretty emotional couple of days. You, you are correct. It, management at the end, like you have to, especially in these creative kind of fields, you have to have management that believes in your product that supports you, that has your back during tough times and, uh, and isn't really just out for a buck. And without that, in, especially in media companies, you're, um, you know, you're cooked. And I feel awful for SI now because one of the people running it was the former publisher at the LA Times. And if you just Google the guy's name and stuff, the LA Times basically in a newsroom revolt uh, essentially got him to resign because he was trying to do the same blueprint, which is to fire experienced reporters with years of experience who make a lot of money and replace them on the cheap for people uh, who don't make a lot of money. That's without a concern at all for the the, the quality of the product. And that's what's going to happen at SI. Um, There's still great people there, um, but unfortunately I've seen this movie before. Over the next couple months and years, they will get rid of the higher salaried people who have a lot of years' experience, and they will replace them with 20-somethings. They will not give them insurance. They will pay them very, very cheap. They will slap Sports Illustrated's name on it, and they will try to trick people into thinking that this is Sports Illustrated quality work when it is not. And that's how this game gets played. Eventually, those guys will cash out, and that's how you destroy a brand. Sorry to get this off on a somber tone, but I just knew that you were you were the right guy to be equipped to discuss this. I mean, I, honestly, I knew you were there a long time. I didn't know it was almost two decades. Nineteen uh, years. It was my uh, that was my dream job. You know, when I was a kid. Um, the uh, my parents divorced when I was one. Uh, it's probably my fault. Now that I think about it, they divorced when I was one, huh? So, um, <laughs> wow. in that sense, yeah, not true. I, my mom's a shrink. I could do this all day. <laughs> so the um, so one of the, but one of the like one of the early gifts I remember her giving me was a subscription to Sports Illustrated. It must have been like nine or ten. And so, like you know, I just re- and this again, you know, like like uh, you know, early eighties or whatever. Like this is when Sports Illustrated was in its heyday, and like you would read this stuff. There was no internet there was no like you can get everything sort of in a second and i was like i just was mesmerized by like these people like writing these profiles of these famous athletes and going to these amazing games and writing this stuff and so like i fell in love with that magazine and my, that was my dream to work there i never in a million years thought i would ever do it you know you like these names of the people who worked there like frank ford and uh you know like these sort of bill knack like these sort of just giant legends dan jenkins you know, Rick Riley. I, I didn't think that was going to be me. And then I just ended up getting incredibly lucky. I ended up getting an internship at Sports Illustrated for Kids right out of grad school. 
Um, I decided that I was just going to essentially work my ass off. Uh, I was probably putting like 17-hour days there. I just decided in those three months I was going to make myself so invaluable to at least give myself a shot. SI for Kids ended up hiring me full-time as a reporter, and that was the ticket into the kingdom because all of my editors at Sports Illustrated for Kids had previously worked at Sports Illustrated. They had sort of been reporters there, and then as they got a little bit older and they had families of their own, they went into editorial or edit positions at Sports Illustrated for Kids. So once I was in there, I had so many contacts. One year after working for SI for Kids, I interviewed at SI. They hired me, and I think I was like 24 or 25 years old, and I was a reporter at Sports Illustrated working uh, on the tennis beat um, and the Olympic beat. I mean, it was incredible. You know, just to be like 25 years old, I, w- I was in the locker room right before Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras would go out to play, you know, a mega match at the U.S. Open. It was, it was like, I couldn't even believe, like, that I, I was, one, in that situation, and two, like, had, like, a badge that said, Sports Illustrated. So, like, I got, I was lucky. I got to live my dream and work at the place that I always wanted to work at as a kid. Um, but then as the years went on, and especially the last couple of years with some really horrific management uh, at the corporate level, I kind of saw the handwriting on the wall. So it was hard. The hardest decision, professional decision in my life was to leave Sports Illustrated for the athletic. And I went back and forth and it took me months to decide. I almost lost, I think, the athletic offer because I was taking too long. Um, but it was excruciatingly hard uh, to make that decision. So I, I have, I feel for all my colleagues today, or ex-colleagues today at Sports Illustrated, because um, they're romantics. They believe in what that product was, even if it, even if they weren't working at the place that they romanticized working at. So I, 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 I understand the emotions of all those guys today. Richard Deitch is with us. He writes the media circus for the Athletic. Long time, as he just referenced. Uh, writer had that same type of column for Sports Illustrated. Richard, let's let's talk about what you have in one of your columns with the hockey season starting here. Predators just had their first game last night, but you polled a lot of writers about ideas for enhancing television broadcasts, which obviously I was very interested in. And you you had a a wide array of ideas, and some would contradict ideas from somebody else. Some people want more of this, other people that want less of this. But what what were the one or two ideas that you thought were were most interesting and most uh, you know realistic that actually could move the needle? Yeah, first of all, I appreciate you referencing that. That was a fun piece to do because the athletics really got a lot of good hockey writers. I mean, some crazy talented people there, and so um, their ideas to improve the product were really really interesting. Uh, here's a small one, first and foremost, that a lot of them mentioned: a shot. N- NBC should have a shot clock literally on every national game. I know regional broadcasts do. Uh, that's a small change, and they should have that. All the Canadian broadcasters do. It really helps you just get a quick sense, one, of sort of who's dominating play, who's not. But then a lot of the discussions were about having a rules analyst, uh, like the NFL does, to explain uh, controversial plays um, and you know, sort of educating people more. There was talk about um, giving more time after goals so that the television broadcast can explain uh, in a quick replay. There were um, suggestions uh, about, and this really, I think, probably really improved the sort of the X's and O's analysis of the game or the, the, you know, the data, sabermetrics and analytics, however you want to put it. Um, I think the hockey fan is still way, way behind in, like, advanced, um, statistics compared to 
baseball and some other sports. And a lot of the writers suggested that that could really be an interesting way to educate the viewer. Um, and I, you know, I happen to agree with that. But um, the suggestions were really interesting. Uh, you know, the one thing about hot, and I think all of us agree it's a great sport, and, in, and, and, and Will, you totally agree with this, I'm sure, because you're there a lot. The experience in arena is awesome. It's really one of the best, if not the best, sporting events to watch in person. The problem is because of technology still, even though it's gotten a lot better, it's still sometimes difficult to see the puck um, on television. It's, it's difficult to follow. It's, it's a small puck, big, big dudes, and it's fast. So what, what, what I'm hoping for, at least with that sport, is as technology gets greater, as we go from like 4K to 8K in terms of resolution, the, sport, the television experience uh, will get better. But there are things I feel like uh, NBC in particular can do um, almost immediately to help the broadcast. And then there were others who were like, you know, less negativity on the broadcast. That's probably a shot that Mike Mulberry and Jeremy <laughs> Roenick, but that's all subjective stuff. But um, I think I think the sport, the good thing about hockey is I think the sport has a lot of room to grow and improve as a television product. I think there's still a lot of steps that they can take to, um, to enhance the product uh, and try to get it as close to the in-arena experience, which for anybody who's ever gone to a hockey game is just awesome. Richard Deitch is with us, and uh, speaking of big TV deals, tonight is the night WWE debuts on Fox after the reported $1 billion deal uh, between the two entities. So I'm curious of your thoughts on this because they're bringing The Rock back. They're, you know, they're rolling out the red carpet to bring some of their big stars of the present and the past for the debut show. Is this, is this going to work? Is this whole you know, trying to make wrestling a legitimate sport while, or present it that way like Fox is wanting to do? Is that going to work? All right, well, first, before I even answer that question, my favorite thing about all of this, and I am a wrestling fan, is seeing the Fox Sports personalities who once hated wrestling embrace wrestling as <laughs> if it's their like, you know, wife and kids. It is seriously the greatest thing I've seen. Colin Coward in particular, that, that, that dude like falling in love with wrestling over the last week has been fantastic theater to me. In terms of uh, hasn't he always called term- wrestling fans like booger eaters yep. and stuff like yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, yeah. Right. And now the now the guy's chamber of commerce for wrestling. He's going to hug Brock Lesnar. <laughs> kind of um, yeah. I, it will work. I mean, the reason it's going to work is no no matter what. Like it's going from um, USA, a cable channel, to Fox, a network over the air channel. So if nothing else, the marketing and promotion and reach is going to extend. Fox is going to do pretty good viewership, certainly great viewership tonight, given all the sort of famous people who are there. And then after that, the, the, you know, having talked to Fox executives about this, the WWE is still controlling content, still controlling storylines, still controlling who's going to appear. Just the main difference is it's now appearing on Fox, and you get the, bat- the benefits of the Fox kind of marketing machine. So on Sunday, and we've already seen this, and during NFL games, you're going to see WWE promotion. Saturday, during Big Ten games, Big 12 games, WWE promotion. During the World Series, you're going to see WWE promotion. So I, I think, you know, I, I can't say, like, it, it's hard to know, like, if fans are going to like SmackDown, because I feel like that's all about storyline. You know, you either like a Becky Lynch type or you don't. But in terms of, like, will it be successful in terms of sort of getting the word out, I think it'll absolutely be successful. Uh, the WWE, as big a marketing machine as it's had, it's never been on a network. It's only been on, you know, the USAs and the CWs and and places like that. So yeah, I mean, I think I think it's going to be a 
I think it's going to be a big success in that. And in my last one, this will be for the hardcore wrestling fans in your audience. I think what's going to be clear is SmackDown is going to become the WWE sort of main show where Raw and USA Network used to be. I think I think they're going to sort of shift that show to become the big show because it's on network versus USA. But um, Fox has rolled the dice on wrestling and and they've invested a lot of money. So you trust me, you know you're probably going to see uh, at one point, you know Joe Joe Buck climb to the top of the uh, booth, <laughs> oh, fly boy. down and and uh, you know give uh, give Troy Aikman a stinger splash or something like that. I would love that. Mm. So, there's, probably, so would I, but. there's probably some media members that we would all vote to have them throw in, thrown into the ring and get beat up a little bit. Millberry's oh one God, you already just, mentioned. Yeah, yeah Millberry would be top me. of the list. Yeah, I have a I've a, I got a long list that I would love to see the Undertaker <laughs> do some damage to. Richard, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks for the forum, guys. See All right, Richard Deitch from The Athletic spent almost two decades at Sports Illustrated. They laid off 25% of their staff yesterday. Sad, sad day, and you could tell in Richard's voice. We'll come back. More of Darren Donick and Chase on the other side, ESPN 102.5 The Game. You just made the list in the third hour. Be thinking about that. Speaking of what you just heard with Richard Deitch, Monday Night Raw tickets, Bridgestone Arena, December 2nd on the line. Pick six in the final hour. Going to have some good questions there. Don't forget MTSU will be taking on the thundering herd of Marshall tomorrow at Floyd Stadium down in the borough. Go to the game early and experience the Grove tailgate area. Don't forget to also check out the Blue Raider Beer Garden and Family Fun Zone. Kickoff for that game between MTSU and Marshall is at 2.30 in the afternoon. It can be heard right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game and 97.5 down in the borough. Preds, uh, Preds will be hosting the Red Wings tomorrow night. The Red Wings mm, uh, will be opening their season. Very quirky schedule. That's weird. That's their first, that'll be their first there game? There were games the night before last. There was mm-hmm. obviously last night a lot of teams open, including the Predators. There's another slate of games tonight, but the Red Wings don't play until mm. tomorrow. Winnipeg Jets gave up six, well, five in an empty netter in Madison Square Garden last night. Um, looks like they could use Buffalo back, and they've basically lost their entire defensive core from last season, and it, it showed last night. It was a back-and-forth track meet, really. If you looked at how the goals were scored, it was up and down, and the Rangers would score, then the Jets would come right back and score. So it was a, it was a competitive game, but nobody could stop the other. So that's a little bit of what you worried about if you were a Jets fan, right? Not that you couldn't score. Mm-hmm. You know the firepower is there, especially right. with the guys back in there, but could you stop anybody? And I think it does illustrate that this year they are going to have to lean on Connor Hellebuck. They are going to have to have a great year from him. And I don't know that you can say all the goals are his fault. Probably not, because I don't think the coverage was great there. I mean, Panarin made some good plays, but he's just going to have to make great saves for them to be as good as they've been. He was one of those that had that that great year where Pecorino ends up winning the Vesna Trophy, but Connor Hellebuck was right there, gets the contract, and then just the drop-off. And I'm wondering if he can rebound from that or if, like you're saying, that he's just not getting much help in front of him. It's one thing to I mean, drop off Dustin from Vezina to, to good. And I, yeah. and I think he was he was good last year, but he 
That is the question. It's like, what yeah. is he every year? What is he over the long haul? Because that Vezina year was such a big jump for him. And he was young, and I think they were saying, hey, I think we got something here. We got to invest in him. But it's still a bit of an unknown. I think that will be a question for uh, for Bennington in, uh, in, in St. Yeah. Louis, right? Is He obviously can you, was can you do it again? top of the top. You know, he, he they would not have won the Stanley Cup without him. He was an incredible story, but it's a new year. Right now he's got to prove he can do it year after year. And maybe he can. Yep. But is there some of a drop is there a little bit of a drop off? We we'll we'll find out. That's the beauty of the game. Did you guys see uh who the Blues resigned? They uh they made the long-term commitment to Braden Shen. Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 8 years, 52 million. 8 years. I that's He's a good player. It's a long eight commitment. years. Wow, mm. I, I I still am a little bit more surprised. Like now, now the question is, what will they do with their captain, Alex Petrangelo? That's what a lot of people are focused on now, because he's thirty, right? So, eight years that's a that's a long time. Uh, by the way, the Jets will continue on the road again tonight. They'll be in Newark to take on. P.K. Subban and the Devils. Mm-hmm. One of the more intriguing Wayne teams. Wayne Simmons and yeah. Subban. And and Wayne Jack Wayne. Hughes, the first pick in the draft. I mean, yep. it's, a, it's an exciting team. That's a team that's all of a sudden got some identity and some guys that are must-watch. You've got Taylor Hall. I mean, you got some. you got some exciting players. I'll just put it to you this way. The reason I'm bringing it up, I think there's a real shot. The Jets are 0-2 and have no points to show for it. I think they lose tonight. Well, let's let's not overlook last night. They had forty-seven shots. So, <laughs> yeah. And the Devils' biggest question is goalie. So I yeah, that, that's, that's a, true. It's a really intriguing thing to see with PK anchoring the D. You know, a, a traditionally defensive-oriented franchise. You know how how do they defend in front of their goalies who are who are questionable? Yeah, Corey, that, Corey Schneider is a veteran guy that when he's been good, he's he's been a really good goalie. So, I, I this is all this is what's fun. There, no matter who you're playing, if you look in the line, you're gonna you're gonna find some really good players. I, I was impressed last night. I thought the the Predators for the most part defensively didn't give up a whole lot to some of the the, the top guys that the Wild are gonna rely on. Like I thought, Fiala was neutralized for the most part. Didn't really notice him much. Uh, Zucker got the breakaway, but he didn't have a, a dynamic game. Yeah. Stall had a couple of good plays, but nobody was was sitting there mm-hmm. pounding them time after time. I thought the only I, honestly, you know, who stood out for me for them, Dumba. Yeah, he's good. He makes that, a that's difference. That's who stood out to he's me. But you're right. The the ones you would expect to answer that they didn't really stand out. I didn't think they right. were that visible. It was clear by the end of the first period that the one A one B was was going to be a force. They were going to put pressure. That Minnesota was having trouble handling them throughout the night. That's what you're looking for. Man, wouldn't that be nice to sustain that? Because for the last couple of years, it's been, can they get two lines going? Can Because I think over the course of the year, you're going to see Benino, Watson, and Sissons, just like Watson had a huge goal last night. Mm-hmm. Those guys chip in goals. You know, It's mm-hmm. not like those guys never score, right? Colton Sissons had 15 goals last year. Benino had 17 goals. Watson missed most of the season. He still, you know, he if you look at his goals goal per he game, scored last night. it's a great goal. <laughs> and he scores a few like that. Yeah. Right? That's so the difference for between... For a third line, they're going to chip in their share. But that's the difference between me and Watson. Like, we both could fall down on the ice, but he can go on and score, and <laughs> yeah, I can't, you can't get up. No.
I couldn't either. It's I okay. I just roll around. Did, did you guys notice this too? I thought I thought Ryan Ellis was moving. Oh yeah, as well Ryan as Ellis. I've seen him move since. The, By the way, Ryan Ellis and injury, Roman Yossi were all. They over the were place. dynamic. Last were night. all over the place last night. But uh, but Ellis in particular, the 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 movement. Yep. The 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 life. You know, not that he didn't have it last year, but because he he finds ways. He's a guy that you want on your team. He can play hurt, find ways to be effective. But he, and I have no knowledge of this, but just the the speculation you've been hearing. He looks fresher. He looks quicker. He's, and that made a difference. He was he awesome was last night. second to Roman Yossi with time on ice last night. Did you guys go and look at that? Because I was curious because Peter Laviolette told us he's looking for those 18-minute-a-night guys. So I went and looked at the time on ice, and that that Duchesne line is what, what was it? Duchesne was 18 and a half, I think. Yeah, they were able to deliver. And then, you know, the Johansson line, there was a, there was a drop-off, but they were productive. By the way, the Blackhawks and the Flyers will drop the puck at 1 o'clock today in Ooh. Switzerland. Nice. I saw Gritty over there making chocolate. <laughs> Gritzerland. <laughs> Gritzerland. Over there making chocolate. I wonder if he was making chocolate with Peter Yossi. Uh, Roman Yossi's dad, he who is, uh, is I, in the chocolate business, is he not? I don't know if it's chocolate. Well, he works at a chocolate. I it, it's like Toblerone or something. Doesn't he make the the filling in is the that bar? What he does? I, I, okay, got to ask Roman. I said about he's this, in the, the he's in the, the candy bar business. He's in the right? world that world, and I you know I don't know. Maybe Gritty made a, an appearance over there with Peter Yossi. Do they have a pedal tavern over there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, go to break. I doubt it. <laughs> Back to wrap up the first hour next. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus will kick off the second hour with us. Talk about the Titans-Bills matchup. Don't forget pick six at 1 o'clock. Low Neal, who's in the building, doing his show out in San Fran, out in the Bay Area. He'll pop in here. We'll go down memory lane be with him. Yeah, no doubt about it. And how about the uh, San Francisco 49ers? Who the team? are on the Monday night football stage this week against... Hosting the Browns. The team he mm-hmm. partially covers, along with the Raiders, in that area that he does the show, all of a sudden the 49ers are getting a lot of, hmm, might be for real kind of stuff. How about the, the oh, another goodness. team How in about that, that division? game last night? Huh, I didn't Seattle. See, I didn't see one play. I just saw the highlights when I got home. I was like, wow. But what about that first touchdown? How about a shootout? That first touchdown by Russell Wilson He's... to Tyler Lockett. I mean... How many guys can make that? Honestly, can make that play and make that throw and and make that catch. I know. Look, it's 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 a tag team effort. That, that on was that. that that is honestly one of the prettiest plays I think I've ever seen. Yeah, Russell's just when fun he to watch, when man. he kept that play alive and then threw that. I was like, what in the world? I didn't see it live. We're, we're yeah. By the way, Barrelhouse packed. You, I mean, there's you so much to watch last night. You, you could baseball, not move the in there, but yeah, I got home. I watched the highlights, and I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" That play worked for a touchdown. I, I just, I mean, I guess maybe at what Aaron Rodgers, I, Tom Brady's not making that play. He's not keeping no. it alive, doing that. I guess Rodgers, but Mahomes. Other than that, no one. But Russell's made a career out of that. He's man, well. He's, speaking of career, does he get enough? Does well, he get I was just thinking attention? this. How how close is he to getting like real Hall of Fame kind of consideration? I don't know. Like up until a couple years ago, I don't think I would ever thought of him as no. This guy's a Hall of Famer. Is he getting close? Yeah, 
I mean, here's he's he's he just keeps he's doing on the it right year path. After year, yeah, he's it, on it, the right path. If he just keeps doing it year after year, you got to consider him, right? Tell, tell me if you kind of look at him like this, because this is this is how I looked at Russell Wilson. You knew he was good. I mean, you knew that he was he was one of those quarterbacks, you know, probably top sure. ten, top five in the league. But you, he kind of flew under the radar, and then you go and you look at the numbers and you look at his accomplishments, and then you just go, whoa. Okay, I never really realized. Even though you knew he was good, you just never realized just how good. That's that's kind of you know how it was for me. And then you watch him, and you you pay attention to some of the, these games, especially the the national ones, and you just see it and go, oh, okay. I yeah. think he's improved too. Don't you think he he yeah. he's getting better? He, he with seems age. to keep getting getting better. He's he's good for like thirty four, thirty five touchdowns a year, and he doesn't throw very many picks at all. Yeah, he takes care of the football. But I think for so long, we looked at the Seattle Seahawks as the Legion of Boom and looked at the defense, and right. everybody focused on that. And so you just didn't pay as much attention to the offense because they didn't have any of the, you know, they had Marshawn Lynch, of course, but they didn't have the, the sexy names on, on, on offense. And now Russ, doing what he's been able to do in his career, you, you have to tip your cap to him. I, I if you haven't seen that play, go back and look at the first I, touchdown. I'm watching the highlights right by now. By the Seahawks. It was 6 and then the interception. Rams. Just just watch that touchdown and tell me you're not blown away. Like, how in the world did that happen? I mean, I have to imagine on the Seattle sideline, they were going, even though they know their quarterback is great, they probably were like, what are you doing? No, don't throw that. Great throw. <laughs> great yeah. play. Or, or wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That is a pretty – that is a tight window. Throwing against his body, perfect throw. By the way – He did everything you're not supposed to do. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the the uh, highlighter green mm, uniforms? I'm say no. Thumbs no? down. Thumbs down. Those guys – They got the, the double thumbs up from Max really? in the group back there. I don't – I don't – I love I love the Seahawks love neon, them? but I also even more love the all gray that they wore last week. The rainy Seattle yeah, jerseys. I'll take, I'll take that. Definitely over the last two night, great options. Last night, thumbs up, double thumbs up. I think as a change of pace, I can take it for one game. Let's have some fun. I think come one on, game. it's not bad. Mm. Remember when everyone hated gold Preds helmets? No, look, that's a. He's I, right. I think it's a fair thing. It took it took a little bit for the gold helmets to grow. It took on a little you. while for the gold jerseys to grow on you, and it just because yeah. it was so different. But now it's just you know you're used to it and it's, it's normal it's, and it is you like it. You know this. When the Seahawks were playing, you know it's them. That the distinctiveness of it, just like with the that's the idea of the gold for the Predators too. There's something to be said for that. All right, we'll come back. Hour number two, we kick it off with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. That is next on ESPN one oh two five the game.